I invite you to stand as you are comfortable for the reading of the gospel. From John chapter 11. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so, they, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. I'm aware that my um, microphone battery might go out at any second. It was blinking red at me, and so I replaced it with a new battery that is also blinking red. So <laughs> let me know if you stop being able to hear me, and I'll grab one of the Praise Team's microphones. I'm going to be honest. Uh, today is kind of a hard Sunday for me. Many of you know that in September my dad passed away, and I'm still personally wading through the waters of grief. And so as I prepared for today, for All Saints Sunday, I found myself with a lot of tears. Tears of sadness as I think about my family's addition to our church's All Saints Remembrance video that we'll watch shortly. Tears of grief as I miss my dad's loud voice and smile. Tears of gratitude as I look over the photos we finally got from my sister's wedding in August and some tears of laughter as I worked on my sermon today because I don't think my dad would have ever considered himself a saint. Maybe if he was being canonized as the patron saint of frozen pizza and lawn mowing. But even if my dad didn't consider himself a saint, even if I admit he wasn't the most saintly person, saints aren't just people who have been canonized in the Catholic Church. The Apostle Paul reminds us in a lot of his letters that all believers are called saints. And it's not a word I'm super comfortable with because we tend to think of saints as being either very Catholic or, well, very saintly. So I appreciate that the theologian Martin Luther says that we are both sinners and saints all at the same time. And it's Jesus who makes us saints, who makes us saintly, who makes us holy. This Sunday, All Saints Sunday, is often considered a, a day to focus on two things. 
remembering all of the saints, and remembering the hope of Christ's holy promises. We remember those who came before us, those we've lost, and for many of us, whether those experiences of grief and loss are decades old or still painfully new, today we remember. We remember voices and smiles and tears. We remember all the feelings that grief, loss, and heartbreak bring up for us because whether we like it or not, feelings, emotions, are the track of a constant roller coaster called grief and loss. It's not a popular ride, but we often find ourselves buckling in, not quite sure what this trip around the track will hold for us. Mixtures of anger and gratitude, relief and disappointment, guilt and peace, shame and vulnerability, confusion and fear, sorrow and love, all that complex gobbledygook all that gobbledygook that is going on in our hearts and minds that can overwhelm us. I wish there was an easy or simple response to grief, loss, and heartbreak. I wish there was a magic answer that could immediately bring comfort for when our tears pour out or when the tears just don't seem to come. Usually the best response you can give is to buckle up next to someone and hold their hand through the twists and turns. Everyone experiences grief differently, and all our experiences have one thing in common, lots and lots of feelings. Sometimes we might feel that we're the only ones on this ride, but we're not. And that rickety old roller coaster of grief and loss has been around for a long time. In the 12 verses we read from John this morning, so much of that same complex turbulence rises. Feelings from Mary, Martha, the other Jewish people gathered there, and even Jesus' own emotions underline this story. It's an all-too-familiar scene. Feelings of sorrow, of anger, of blame, of frustration and disappointment, all mixed in with moments of gratitude and empathy and love. <clears throat> Jesus is described as being greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved as weeping and then again greatly disturbed. The sorrow of Mary and Martha is real in their tears as Mary weeps at Jesus' feet. Some of the Jewish people gathered find gratitude in Jesus' vulnerability as he weeps with them, and yet others blame him for not arriving sooner, their frustration and anger coming out sideways. Jesus has empathy for Mary and Martha. He feels with them, and he's grieving too. That word disturbed, that Jesus is greatly disturbed, could be frustration, disappointment, agitation. I wonder if he was thinking of all those hypotheticals like so many of us face when we face grief. All those what-ifs. What if we had found it sooner? What if we had called more? What if it had, we had done this differently? What if we had just been there? And Mary is definitely feeling the what-ifs. The first words she says to Jesus when he arrives are, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here. All those weird and complex feelings on that roller coaster, all that waiting for the next big drop. It's something that always surprises me with grief and loss and heartbreak. It's that we rarely talk about all the waiting whether it's waiting for results, for doctors, for answers, waiting for family to arrive, for certificates and paperwork, waiting for services, waiting for the person to just walk around the corner, or for their name to show up on your caller ID. 
waiting for the tears to stop or to start again, waiting for peace, for comfort, for hope. Before, during, and after a major loss, our anxious, broken hearts are often waiting. Mary and Martha were waiting for Jesus, waiting for him to get there in time, and then waiting to fall at his feet in tears and disappointment. In our reading from Isaiah, the Hebrew people are waiting for God, for the Lord who might save them, for the Lord who will wipe away tears from all faces. With all the violent tragedies these last few weeks, from Kroger stores to synagogues to yoga studios, my heart breaks, and it finds me waiting too. Waiting for the Lord God who will take away all the earth, all the disgrace of the earth and the pain of God's people and instead bring a feast of food and wine, of joy and salvation. Waiting for hope in the midst of heartbreak and tragedy. And one place we find hope and love and care in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of heartbreak, as we wonder what loop this roller coaster will throw us next, is in relationship, in connection. Connections made in vigils, in memorial services, through donations, prayers, and advocacy. That connection through us to something divine, to something holy, to something saintly, to God's grace shared through others. A card from someone unexpected, a donation made in someone's name, a kind nurse, a friend who lets you lay in their lap as you cry, a family member who calls to check in, a meal at your door, a hug from someone you love, a Lord who weeps with you, a God who says, Jesus says, always hears, a God whose glory isn't found in holding back tears or platitudes. Jesus doesn't say it's going to be okay or that everything happens for a reason. Jesus just says, where have you laid him? And after his own weeping, after his own disturbance and heartbreak, he prays to the God who always hears and says to those gathered, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? That glory in the tears, in the waiting, in the heartbreak and the sorrow, and all those complex emotions in hearts and minds, it's there, in the middle of all of that, when God's glory appears. Coming down out of heaven, as our reading from Revelation says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals, among us. God will dwell with them, will be with them, wiping every tear from their eyes. God dwelling with us, being with us, being that connection and that presence right in the middle of our deepest hurts. The promise of life out of death, of resurrection, of hope in the midst of heartbreak. God's glory in the midst of Mary and Martha's weeping as Jesus weeps and is moved. Jesus knows Lazarus' name and Jesus calls to him, Lazarus, come out. And he does. As we remember, as we remember all those saints who come before us, as we experience and remember the heartbreak of grief and loss, Jesus promises, promises us life made new. And there's one more important part of today that we sometimes forget in the midst of our remembering and pointing to that promise of resurrection. And it was best put by Dr. Peterson, a professor of New Testament, when he said, this day is about all God's saints, all, all that we have known and experienced, that here and now, 
There is no death or grief or fear so deep and dark that the voice of Jesus cannot reach into it, call us out, and bring us life. There is no roller coaster of feelings too fast or steep or terrifying that Jesus does not reach over to hold your hand. That's the life that Jesus goes to the cross to bring out of death. The life we find when we remember with tears of laughter and joy, even in the midst of our sorrows. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and himself rises to reach us in our darkest and most complex emotions. Jesus calls us out and calls us to each other so that we can care for one another in our grief and in our pain, so that we can care for those in our families, in our communities, in our world, facing tragedy and heartbreak regardless of their religion, race, nationality, gender, or ability, or anything else that we might try to divide ourselves by, so that we can wait in our feelings as we remember, as we point to that promise of hope and resurrection, we can bring that life for others that kindness, that love, that connection. As God hears us, comes to be with us, we can be in this discomfort of that emotional roller coaster, holding hands and tissues and shedding tears, listening and finding ourselves deeply moved, finding gratitude in the most surprising places of our pain, discovering again that we too, in all our feelings, all our waiting, all our connections and all our failures, that we too are part of this communion of saints with those who came before. We too are made new, are made saints by Christ's holy promise. The voice from the throne says, see, I am making all things new. You are made new, we are made new. Those we remember and miss are made new. In our roller coaster of grief, our waiting and anxiety, Jesus is there making new connections, new relationships around us to care for us, to hold our hand, Jesus' voice is still calling out, calling into the caves, calling out over the noise of the track we find ourselves on. Jesus is still calling out to you, to us, our names, your name, and says, see, I am making all things new. Amen.